Today, new comic book characters continue to grab the spotlight with audiences all around the world. Black Adam, Namor, two of comics' oldest characters have taken center stage with their recent film appearances in Marvel and DC films. So what's next? Who's next? What great unknown characters will grab the spotlight and become the next Rocket Raccoon or Venom? Are there any A-listers left to explore? We've got all of that and so much more on an all-new episode of Observations. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. The Rob in Observations is me. I have been writing, producing, creating, publishing, yes, even printing uh, comic books and pop culture for 37 years. Uh, I have created uh, characters that you may or may not have heard of or interacted with in Deadpool, in Cable, in Domino, Prophet, Youngblood, uh, Brigade, so many characters over the years. I, I am a avid comic book freakazoid and achieved my life's dream when I was 18 years old, got hired to draw comic books out of high school because um, I, I just had no other intention or ability to do anything else. Comic books literally have kind of uh, saved my life, given me purpose, given me passion. And if it's about comic books and it's about pop culture, then we talk about it here on Observations. And today we're diving right into it because again, you may not have heard of some of these topics as comic books, but you are certainly aware of them now that they are part of the culture. And speaking as part of the culture, I mean giant blockbuster, $100 million, $200 million budget films that go on to, you know, in in, in this weekend's last uh, uh, release, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. For, let, let's take that, for instance. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kiss a billion. It's it's a billion dollar franchise following a billion dollar franchise. And so many people had not heard of Black Panther prior to, you know, the movie being released back in 2018. And this past weekend, a whole bunch of people found out for the very first time that there's a character called Namor. Now, I know in the film, because I was very, I was paying attention, uh, the actor who portrays him, Tina Cuerta, uh, called him uh, Namor. But then later in the in the movie, other characters called him Namor, and and they didn't have that same you know enunciation that he did. But so I think I'm pretty pretty safe in referring to him as Namor in the comics. He's Namor, uh, you know, the Submariner, Prince Namor, the Submariner, and in the comics he was the King of Atlantis. Here they've you know changed uh, a whole bunch in regards to his character, and for me it worked. I'm just going to tell you right now. Uh, if you listen to the show, if you've been a regular listener, you know I've been anticipating this a great deal because I love the character. He was part of the first comic book I ever interacted with. In fact, Namor is one of Marvel's oldest oldest characters, period, you know, debuting in, in 1939, throwing a U-boat of Nazis over into the middle of the ocean. You know, uh, all these Nazi soldiers soldiers falling out into the middle of the ocean, which which, you know, is under the command. The ocean is under the command of Prince Namor. He has gone on to become this giant, you know, staple in Marvel Comics. And we've covered so much of this, especially in a dedicated podcast I would recommend to you called The Sea Kings. I made it coming out of Hall H last, uh, the summer of 2022, after seeing the big Black Panther Wakanda forever, like, you know, I, I, it was just an amazing presentation. It was a live presentation with music. And then, and then they screened the trailer for the first time. And I came home and I wanted to talk to you guys about, 
you know, the difference between Namor and Aquaman and, and, and appropriately called, you know, the Sea Kings. So check that out. That goes really deep into all of the appearances and the uh, impact that Namor had on the comic book world. But up until now, I mean, he was introduced in 1939. I mean, this this cat is 88, 89 years old. I mean, that that, that, <laughs> that is that is a serious stretch. Excuse me, 39, 83, 83 years old. Look, he's 80. Okay, and uh, and we're seeing him. Help me out here. 1940 gets you to, I can work this out, gets you to 2000. So that's 60, then 22, 82. Okay, so 83 years, Namor's been around. He made his impact right now, this weekend, in a movie that grossed 300 and what was it, $30 million uh, worldwide. So audiences are getting to know him. Audiences will continue to get to know him. He was, to me, the saving grace of the entire film. I I felt his presence, his gravitas uh, really is going to impact everything going forward with the Marvel empire. And, uh, I, I just, I just, I just feel like there's so much more story to tell. There are so much more of his motivations in the comic books. He is a very fiery character. I spoke again of Namor in last week's uh, recent episode called the hotheads, you know, the, 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 the Marvel bad boys, because Marvel really dominated and, <laughs> and, and cornered the market. They cornered the market on the bad boys, especially when I was growing up very, very impressionable. Little Robbie Liefeld was impressionable and I wasn't alone because it went from Namor to Luke Cage to Wolverine and you can listen all about it in the Bad Boys. So between the Bad Boys and the Sea Kings, we do a lot of Namor. But the reason I'm bringing up Namor is, you know, he went from zero to hero in terms of awareness. Zero to hero. Now he's on everybody's uh, radar and, and, and Tinoch Huerta, which I, I hope I'm saying right. I, I went on online and, and saw his appearances and wanted to make sure that I, I saw that he was... Uh, you know, that I was pronouncing it the way that he pronounced it and others pronounced it. But I just, he just has such great screen presence. And again, Namor is extremely powerful. I think, you know, if you go into a movie and you watch a movie called Black Panther, the um, assumption is that, that someone from Black Panther will undoubtedly triumph. And, you know, I guess I've been numb to it. And, and some of you haven't, because I saw how Many of you posted on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, some of your grievances. And uh, I mean, I, I, uh, there was a YouTube that was going around with a guy just screaming, you know, uh, a, a Spanish uh, host screaming how he, he, he just was so upset with the, the representation of Namor. And then I've, you know, read some more, more some, some comedic kind of interpretations. And then there is, of course, first and above all else, you know, the, 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 the standard reaction to, hey man, I can't believe this character I like so much who's this powerful in the comic books didn't get the best of everybody. Well, again, you're going to see a Black Panther movie. I guess I'm numb to the fact that, of course, I, I figured, you know, they'll give him some sort of path which will explain why the outcome was what the outcome was. And I, I think I'm, I'm dealing still in a spoiler-free territory here. So if you haven't seen it, the, the, the stuff that I'm discussing is not terribly spoilerific. Keeping purposely keeping it vague in 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 in, in you know some of, some of the things that I'm implying to you, but it it is typical of when the writers, the producers, the the you know the creatives have decided that this character, in order to meet the fate that this character is going to meet, they're going to have to suddenly do everything, um, for lack of a better word, um, dumb. They're going to have to make dumb decisions. This this incredibly formidable, uh, powerful influence. 
uh, who's brought all these people to their knees is suddenly going to start making every bad move in order to uh, bring about the, the, the fate that he will meet in this particular film. So there's going to be more Namor. I don't think that's spoilerific at all. You can't keep introducing characters and not follow through on them. And Marvel absolutely has big plans for Namor. And I can't wait. I am along for those big plans. In the comic books, you know, they, they, they've, they've had him go down so many different paths. Again, he really balances the, the, the anti-hero, the villain, the actual superhero fighting alongside Captain America, the Avengers. Again, for somebody who is such a lone wolf, and he possibly is one of the greatest lone wolves, much, you know, uh, uh, much, much less a bad boy. He's a lone wolf. He's always getting mad and swimming away. But for a guy who's a lone wolf, he's been the, a member of the uh, X-Men. Uh, as recently as a few years ago, he's a member of De- the Defenders for 40 plus years. He's been a member of uh, the Avengers. Uh, this cat, this cat gets around for, for a, for a, for a lone wolf slash hothead slash bad boy. But the reason I'm talking about Namor is because he is, in, in, like I said, in fact, the oldest of the Marvel characters that you had yet to meet. And now you have. And no, you can't afford that first appearance. That first appearance in that comic book in 1939 is probably A, non-existent. Uh, you don't really exactly see them floating around. There, there's stuff on Heritage right now from his Submariner dedicated series that John Buscema, one of the greatest of all time, illustrated. And they're fantastic. They're beautiful to look at. Uh, but they, they've got like a 6.5 or a 6.8 of that. It's like an issue in the middle of the run. I mean, the, the, you know, they're, they're calling it key issues, key issues, because you can't possibly get these first appearances. You can't possibly get a, a Namor first appearance unless you're, you know, ready to throw down. It, uh, it, first, it has to be available and has to be, it has to emerge. And then you have to have, you know, multiple six figures. I mean, I think mid six figures for, for, for a poor copy. So, I mean, we're, we're talking big, big money for this stuff. Similarly, this last month, we saw the debut of Black Adam. You know, The Rock traveled the world. He knocked on all our door. I felt like I've got a personal visit myself. I, I literally felt like he was canvassing my neighborhood trying to get me to um, see and be aware that Black Adam was coming out. That's what he does. He's a movie star. That's the, what they do. Well, Black Adam, a producer buddy of mine, is like, hey, where, where can I get some Black Adam comics? I'm like, you can't. There's five dedicated Black Adam com- comics that were around prior to the movie, you know, being produced. And Black Adam was the... the uh, the subject of many, you know, recent in the 2000s storylines, like the, the, the 52, the 52 weekly series and, and he was in the JSA and, but, but that's certainly not a guy that had enough juice to sustain a monthly series. He hasn't, you know, there's not black, there's not a black Adam 25. There's not a black Adam 15. Okay. Black Adam was a miniseries. You know, it was, it was out. It was gone. Now in recent times, publishers are smart. They need to get out a complimentary book, you know, because you may, you may or may not go into your store looking for a Black Adam number one. So they need to have one. So I now, now in the last three weeks, a Black Adam comic book has come out to complement the five that have been previously out. And of course, his other appearances. I came into Black Adam in the 70s when they put out the Shazam comic book to complement the live action Shazam TV show that was on Saturday mornings that ran for three seasons. And they put out, they couldn't call it Captain Marvel anymore because in the time that it was dormant with Fawcett Publications due to a run in a legal dispute with Superman, the uh, DC Comics, uh, Fawcett backtracked, dialed down and, and, and pulled Captain Marvel and the Marvel family off the stands. And in that dormant time, they lost the trademark and the copyright and Marvel wisely jumped in as would a publisher called Marvel and got the moniker Captain Marvel, which we've seen across so many 
of the different incarnations of Captain Marvel, even since my childhood. I mean, he's been the green, the, the, the male Captain Marvel was in his classic green and white Cree armor uniform. Uh, then he, you know, trans, uh, was transported to his popular blue and red and yellow. Then he became, you know, he, he Ms. Marvel, a complimentary Captain Marvel character came along. She became multiple different characters, binary, uh, to, to, to name a few. And then Captain Marvel and then Captain Marvel. And, uh, so, so, and then, and then there was another Captain Marvel before she became Captain Marvel. This thing gets really complicated, but Carol Danvers, uh, didn't just go from Ms. Marvel to Captain Marvel. There was another Captain Marvel, uh, uh, it, which was the Monica Rambeau character that appeared that had the moniker. <laughs> And this is why, well, Ms. Marvel became binary. Are you confused yet? And, you, and do you wonder why comic book fans have to have a certain modicum of intelligence to, to, to follow what we follow? Carol Danvers pivoted into the X-Men books, and she eventually became a Phoenix-type character, where she trans—literally, fans looked at her in 1982, 1983, when Carol Danvers transformed into a Phoenix-style character, as, as uh, it very much looked as if uh, she was— you know, this kind of energy being, and her name was binary, but you know, that didn't last forever. <laughs> that did, that didn't last forever. And, and, and again, she's pivoted and eventually became Captain Marvel, one of the Captain Marvels. But I saw Black Adam in Shazam, the Shazam comic. And he was kind of a goofy, uh, goofy representation of the Black Adam character because the entire Shazam comic book while it was while it was not didn't have a kid-friendly label on it it was more like spidey super stories it was drawn by a very kurt uh by a very child-friendly artist named kurt schaffenberger the book looked more like a very that the lines were so clean and everything in the book was so clean and and kind of uh uh almost uh just sanitized uh in, in a way that you would find a coloring book not a lot of rendering and Kurt Schaffenberg was a beautiful artist, and he would ink other uh, beautiful artists like Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Swan, um, the two Kurts. But uh, I, I came to know him as he is flying, you know, the back of him is flying into Shazam in the air. And I, I love the name Black Adam. And the interesting thing about Namor and Black Adam, as you both know, and some of you are, are obviously well aware of this, they both had pointy ears and widow's peak. So Black Adam ditches the widow's peak and the pointy ears. Um, the film MCU, you know, version of Namor has widow peakishy hair, but I mean, it's wet all the time. It's tousled around, but he's got that pointy hair. He's got pointy ears. He's got the wings on his ankles. It's a really cool, I really like the representation and, and, and you've got to understand if you listen to the Sea Kings episode, Marvel, and now it's, it's, it's out there. It was, it's, it's like people didn't want to talk about it, but it's obvious. And I explained it to my wife too. I mean, like Jason Momoa, Aquaman never looked like Jason Momoa. He was never anybody but a blonde-haired dude. And Arthur Curry was always a blonde-haired guy. Well, I understand. They went diverse. They, 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 they doubled down. They went for Jason Momoa, who was a burgeoning superstar, especially coming off of, games of Game of Thrones. It was the right move at the right time. But in doing so, everybody in the comic book world, including myself, said that looks more like Namor. Namor has, in fact, looked like Jason Momoa because he grew his hair out long in the 90s, and he looked exactly like the depiction of Momoa as Aquaman. Again, I cover all this in the Sea Kings. So now, what do you do with one of Marvel's most important characters? Well, you've got to, you know, maybe change his approach, change his origin. And they did. And in my opinion, it worked out fantastic. I love the MCU's version of Neymar or Namor, but that opens the door. And that opens the door for who's next. 
who are we going to get next? Who will be the next character? Like like Namor, like Black Adam, these guys from the 30s and the 40s. Again, you can't afford the first appearance of Black Adam. It's in, it's in some faraway, you know, 1940s comic that, that you know, maybe there's one in existence that, that's come to light. Maybe there's two. But again, these are, these are $450,000 comics. I mean, they're, they're out of your range because they're so far back. That's it. They're so far back. And yet these characters are making their debuts in 2022 on the big screen to worldwide audiences. So this naturally brings us to who's next. We've got Namor. We've gotten Black Adam. Well, in just a few months, in in the Ant Man movie, we're going to get the high high evolutionary. I spoke of the high evolutionary when I did a Galactus episode recently about one of the greatest you know visual menaces in the history of pop culture and comics. Galactus on the heels of this three foot, incredibly rare uh, Hasbro Hasbro lab has lab toy by Hasbro. And uh, the fact that it reflects just the, the, again, the original appearance of Galactus in the Fantastic Four issues of 48, 49, and uh, 50, which are like in 1964, 1965. I mean, these, the, these characters from the 60s are still coming together. They're still blowing our minds. They're, 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 they're making three-foot, you know, toys that come in four-foot boxes. Uh, it's incredible. But the High Evolutionary at one point battled Galactus in an epic throwdown that lasted like a three, four issue, three or four uh, installments in 1976 in the Fantastic Four. But he has, uh, you know, origins that go back way further than that. And they're going to tie him to Adam Warlock, which is where uh, much of his history is in fact connected to. And Adam Warlock and, and, uh, and High Evolutionary uh, are coming in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I, 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 I mentioned Ant-Man. That is incorrect. Kang. Kang the Conqueror, which we've already kind of sort of met, uh, uh, the, the initial version of him, an early formation of him in Loki. But you can see in the Ant-Man movie, we're going to get Kang. It looks like we're going to get a version of MODOK. So, so we are getting some uh, very lesser-known characters. And yet, if you go back to, uh, you know, I, I think I have an episode called Bring on the D-List. Or the D-list, and it talks about how no one would finance Marvel's slate of films because they thought they only had C and D-list characters, and they were referring to, at the time, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Because they were under the impression that you know, X-Men and Spider-Man were the only A-list stuff that Marvel had, and that, that Fox and Sony had already you know, maximized their output in regards to you know, exploiting them cinematically. So we all know that Wall Street didn't know their head from their ass, and... Uh, we all knew that these characters were bigger than D-list characters, but now we are really getting, I, don't, I hate, the, I hate the, the D and the E and the F-list monikers, but, you know, Kang and the High Evolutionary and Adam Warlock who are coming in the Guardians of the Galaxy 3, you know, we're getting them. They're coming, and, and, I, and I, have a, I have a feeling that, that Warlock is going to be extremely, extremely uh, popular. I think it's Will Poulton, is that his name? He's, he's portraying Adam Warlock, and, and, and it, it would appear that he will be all gold. Uh, with the jewel in the center of his helmet as he was in his initial um, appearances when they referred to him as him. He was referred to as him. Now, now they encountered him in the, in the pages of Fantastic Four, but quickly, you know, uh, High Evolutionary and his new men and Adam Warlock, they were bouncing in the pages of Hulk. Right now, if I turn to my spinner rack, if I turn around and pivot and I look at my spinner rack, uh, Adam Warlock is in multiple issues of the Hulk's 
that, that, that are on my spinner rack. He was, he was very popular. He, he, he bounced around. He went into Marvel team up. He, uh, you know, interacted with Spider-Man. He got his own, uh, spinoff series that Jim Starlin, who became like the cosmic guy in at Marvel, who brought you Thanos. Now, Thanos, again, honestly, to everybody who's really deeply mired in Marvel comics, and you cannot discount if we have put 30 to 40, or in my case, 47 years into comic books. I've put 47, 48, coming up on 48 years, I've been obsessed and consumed with comic books, the lore, the, the myths, the legacy, uh, the mythology. You know, we're, we're invested in these characters, and I'll, I'll tell you that Doctor Doom and Magneto, and yes, Galactus, because Galactus was a momentous occasion every time he appeared, and that's why he appeared every few cycles in the Fantastic Four. He was an A-list character. Galactus, Magneto, Doctor Doom, Loki, these are your A-list guys. I would even put Kang as an A-minus, B-plus. He battled the Avengers so often in the 70s and 80s. He was a marquee character he got when the Avengers got their own pocketbook uh, novelization because Marvel did a novelization contract with pocketbooks so that they would have novelizations of all of their popular characters on shelves in uh, in all of the different uh, bookstores growing up when there were so many more bookstores than, than there are now. I mean, way beyond the Barnes and Noble. You had the Crown books, you had Walden books, you know, it, it was, um, you had, I mean, obviously even Borders has come and gone in the last 20 years, but these, this, this, this making of the books more accessible to us, Kang was the villain in the Avengers standalone novelization called The Man Who, Who Stole Tomorrow. I have done a dedicated uh, Kang the Conqueror uh, podcast. You should check that out. It may be under Bring on the Bad Guys, but I encourage you to go back through my, my catalog. I have tried to cover so many different topics that I either anticipated being important or just my passion for these characters I wanted to share, but you will get a great deal of knowledge. Kang's history is maybe the most complex of all space and time, and I'm sure they are going to streamline it in the same way they made, they made these modifications to Namor, in the same way that Black Adam has been modified. Black Adam, again, didn't even have his own series and now has his own A-list. Black Adam was a complimentary character to Captain Marvel and the Shazam family, the Marvel family. And, but because of The Rock's incredible stature in the business, he was able to peel Black Adam off and get his own feature film where he also brought in the JSA, which up until a month ago, you hadn't, I know most, uh, most fans, most citizens of the earth had not heard of Dr. Fate and tying him to Pierce Brosnan was brilliant. I'm going to tell you, see, I, 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 what a member of my family would not sit down and watch a recent Marvel, um, item with me. They were like, nah, I, I, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, well, crap. It actually discouraged me at the time from, from watching it. Cause you know, I want to, I want to experience it alongside someone else. Well, later that week I was talking to my oldest son. He lives in Dallas, Texas. I've shared with you guys so many times. He grew up on this stuff. He loves this stuff. He is deeply ensconced in all things, uh, MCU, but he, he, he likes to, you know, Check out all the other superhero items. He's a huge fan, having been exposed to the boys on Amazon and Invincible. He's he's broadened his horizons, but it's with moving pictures or animation. Or he said he was going to go see Black Adam. He was going to go see it with his girlfriend, his girlfriend of I think six or seven years. They've been together now. It's it's been a very long time. And I said to my son, I said you should thank Haley for going to see Black Adam with you because so and so will not even see this, you know, one shot with me, and. Uh, and he's like, oh, I, I know how lucky I am. 
you know, I, I know how lucky I am, Dad. And then later he said, you know what? Haley kind of enjoyed it. She enjoyed these JSA members. She enjoyed getting to know Dr. Fate and Hawkman and Adam Smasher. So again, so many people are experiencing this stuff for the very first time because it's come to life. It's moving. It's, it's got actors. You know, it's cinema. So outside of Adam Warlock and outside of the High Evolutionary and of course, Kang the Conqueror and MODOK, you go, well, who's next? You know, well, who's next? I was on a conference with uh, Disney slash Marvel MCU people talking about who could punch through in regards to the Deadpool universe. And I can't reveal the answers on the other end of that, but it was a lively discussion of certain characters. And I was happy to introduce some of them to characters they had not seen or heard of and point them in the right direction. And no, not all of them were characters that I created. I understand the importance of things beyond uh, you know what I created. I, look, I'm aware of the negative discourse about me. I'm, I, of course, I'm aware of it. It makes me laugh. Just like you don't think LeBron and Tom Brady and these 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 people with far more haters than I are aware of the hater um, narrative. Of course, they are. I don't sit and and only recommend stuff that I specifically benefit from. I'm looking at the greater, the longer, you know, the bigger picture. And when in in, in regards to something like Deadpool, we had a lively discussion a few months back about all the ways that possibly other characters could come in come in and enhance Deadpool's arrival in, you know, the MCU now that the movie is going to be a Disney bankrolled project. So this is something that is always going on. And we we know, you know, at D23 we got rolled out the Thunderbolts. Who's going to be in the Thunderbolts? Well it's not the traditional Thunderbolt lineup. It's nothing like the Thunderbolt lineup that launched the book. And in many ways, the big twist of the Thunderbolts, if you go back to 1996, 1997 when Thunderbolts arrived, the whole twist was Who's behind these masks? The Thunderbolts were completely different identities. Well, the Thunderbolts movies that we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing, you know, the new Black Widow. We're seeing Red Guardian. We're familiar with them. We we know Winter Soldier's on the team. We're familiar with these characters. There's no twist unless they all take their masks off and reveal that there's somebody else underneath. And hey, I guess that's possible. It's just not likely at this point. It looks like they're going to function more in a Suicide Squad capacity, being that they're the rogues and the villains or the guys out on parole, women out on parole that will contribute to making this adventure. And they will clearly be uh, an, an, an arm of uh, Defontaine as, as she, you know, collects her covert ops group instead of saying Suicide Squad, a covert ops group. But I mean, look, Suicide, Suicide Squad in and of itself introduced us to so many, you know, fringe character, King Shark. I mean, King Shark. I, I saw an interview with Sylvester Stallone where he's, you know, talking about how excited he was to play King Shark and how, how, how excited he was to be included in the Suicide Squad franchise and was thrilled that James Gunn gave him a call and, even, in fact, hope, hopes for more King Shark outings. So these franchises have, have introduced us to some very unknown uh, characters in, in regards to the public, but as we see, they suddenly they, they are uh, introduced with an actor attached to them, with producers, directors, you know, live action footage and everybody lights up, everyone gets excited. So who's next? Who do we think? Who should be uh, the next on deck? And I, I figured I'd come here and offer up a couple of interesting takes given that somebody like a James Gunn now in his new capacity as a, as a huge decision maker guiding the DCU cinematically and, and even down to video games over for Warner Brothers Discovery. You know, he's put out the word. Who do you guys think should appear? Well, you know, my answer when it comes to DC each day and every day is going to be the Legion 
of superheroes. There is simply no uh, property, no group of characters that is more deserving of a giant big screen treatment in the same way that Gunn gave the Guardians of the Galaxy than the Legion of Superheroes. I've done a couple of dedicated podcasts and Legion of Superheroes in the 80s rose up to compete with the X-Men and the Teen Titans as the most popular book uh, in comic books. It was neck and neck with the Teen Titans and it was because the execution of the stories. It had always been a popular concept, but with cast with cast members, characters as rich as uh, Lightning Lad, and they all have kind of these throwback kind of 1950s, 60s kind of, you know, everybody has a boy or a lass or a lad. There's Lightning Lad, there's Saturn Girl, there's Cosmic Boy, but there's so much more. There's Wildfire and Timberwolf and Dawnstar, and I'm telling you, those three alone would be breakout, breakout superstars. Dawnstar, Timberwolf, and Wildfire predate, in fact, you know, Storm, uh, Wolverine, and uh, yeah, I don't know who Wildfire would match up again, but they are incredible, uh, just incredible, cool characters. The, the, the Legion of Superheroes is a is a privately backed superhero team in the 30th century. So you're getting the far flung future, the the far 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 flung future, 30th century. So you can depict it. I mean, in a way that Lucas has depicted. Star Wars, Alderaan. I mean, this is, I mean, flying vehicles through the air, and no cars. I mean, all, you know, spaceships, skyrockets, born of a, of a, of, of a pulp world that was churning out Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon as its inspiration. Legion of Superheroes reflects those same sensibilities, those same visuals. The sky's the limit. I mean, Dawnstar is kind of a, uh, she, she, when she was introduced, she's like an Indian, uh, with, 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 with tribal, you know, adorn costuming and and uh, and jewelry and and headband, and she has these giant wings like angel, and she flies in space. I don't know how she pulls that off, but as a kid, you looked at it, it looks cool. Wildfire is all uh, energy contained in this cool armored suit. He is a being made of entire energy, but he can only physically, uh, you know, interact with us if he's in the containment suit, and it's a cool containment suit. So many of these designs are from Dave Cockrum, who would go on and contribute and design. The new X-Men. And certainly his visual representation of Timberwolf predates his visual representation of Wolverine. Again, you got to listen to the secret history of the X-Men and find out how all these characters were going to be in the Legion of Superheroes. But Dave Cockrum had a falling out with DC across the streets. And so much of what you see in the new X-Men was what he would have had planned for the Legion. Well, beyond that, years later, the Legion gets even better and cooler. And if you want to talk about bad guys and huge menaces and villains, I think that would captivate audiences. You've got Mordrew, this this deadly uh, sorcerer. There's a sorcerer's world uh, in the 30th century, and Mordrew is the most powerful of all these sorcerers. It, it, think, think Sauron and, uh, you know, Gandalf and Obi-Wan combined. I mean, in terms of visual appearance, the way he looks and the levels of his power. Then you've got, uh, you, 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 you've got the Time Trapper, who is super cool. The Time Trapper. You've got Emerald Empress. I mean, they have all manner of killer uh, threats. The Fatal Five. The Fatal Five. Now, I know that the Legion was represented briefly on... Uh, Smallville, but I mean, let's be honest. If we're going to be honest, it was a low-budget representation, nowhere near the way that they should be introduced. Somebody like a James Gunn, 
especially bringing all of his guardians of expertise. And trust me, the trailer that no one's seen yet, but we all saw it in Hall H. They're still sitting on it. They didn't share it at D23. But the Guardians trailer was, I don't mind telling you, the best trailer of all of them, and all of them that, that, that were shown, including Wakanda Forever, including Ant-Man, the one that blew me away that looked the biggest. I mean, Guardians 3 looks ginormous. Like the budget is, incre- is, is incredible. The spaceships, the planetary, uh, you know, environments, that these characters are running through. It's it's extremely impressive. James Gunn is a natural to helm, produce, write, possibly direct the Legion of Superheroes. They are bankrolled by a gazillionaire named R.J. Brand. And there's a United Federation of Planets. It's very much Star Trek meets the Justice League. Star Trek meets the X-Men, wherever you, I mean, you, you want to do that, that they... However you want to coin it, it's a combination it, combination of those themes. It definitely has. I mean, they have the science police. They have a really well-drawn-out world and, uh, you know, set of rules and organizations and, and, and the fact that the Legion will get five characters on a killer spacecraft and go deep into space to investigate something and then, and then uncover some wild menace, much like... Kirk and Spock and McCoy and the rest and Uhura did, uh, but they have superpowers. They have, uh, you know, a different means to deal with this. There is a, uh, I'm sure they would change it. It's K-H-U-N-D-S. I have to really hit that D hard. Kunz, the Kunz. Honestly, when I read it as a kid, I'm like, is this right? It sounds so like a very, you know, explicit term, but the Kunz are a race of Conan the Barbarians with sci-fi weaponry imagine conan king cole these savage guys who wear loincloths and then they have you know sci-fi gauntlets sci-fi guns i mean it's it's a race of sci-fi advanced barbarians and they are one of the most ruthless biggest dangers to the entire galaxy they are they are in fact the legion of the superheroes answer to the klingons so without going further into that if if i was going to launch something and and show everybody that we are moving so far beyond what has already existed and get out of the dedicated Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, uh, triumvirate that they are so dedicated to. I would go Legion and I would go, Le- I would announce it tomorrow. And I'm telling you, uh, Block, Wildfire, Dawnstar, Timberwolf, Polar Boy, you know, the Legion of Substitute hero- Heroes. There's, there's a Legion of Reserves that they call up if things get bad. In the, in the 1970s, there was an epic, uh, story that was written by Paul Levitz, who was at the helm with another visionary artist, creator, writer named Keith Giffen. He was with Keith when it blew up and became one of the most popular books, easily one of the most popular books at DC. At, at one point, they had five five monthly comics, two Legion books, a spinoff, a who's who, a dedicated who's who, 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 who told you um, who all these different characters were. I did, I did pages in that who's who of Legion. I was so in love with the Legion as a kid. One of my greatest re- regrets when I get out of comics is that I probably given my bad kind of track record of just management and I, no matter who it is at DC, just don't get along. It, it, it's, it's, it's why I have been so successful with Marvel for so long, speaking just of myself and in, and, and Legion was a bucket list kind of item. And I'll, I'll have to say that I scratched that by doing some who's who entry and who's who, you know, we did a dedicated podcast on at the same time in the same year, Marvel and DC both put out character handbooks. DC's character handbook covering their entire universe was called Who's Who. They gave a Who's Who Legion edition that spanned five issues that because that world in and of itself is so expansive. James Gunn, I'm sure right now, I'm hoping, is going through all of them. 
and and planning out an epic 30th century adventure. It has to. It can have no ties whatsoever. Superboy was a a classic link in in in, in introducing the Legion, but it's not necessary. Start fresh. Give us the Legion. That is who I believe is best positioned to have next in the in the in the DC world. If I had to go to for another choice, it is a no-brainer. It is Jack Kirby's epic fourth world saga. Make a new gods movie. I know uh the Duvernay version didn't work out. Go back uh to square one, the story of Orion, the High Father, uh Darkseed, uh, you know, Light Ray, uh, Desaad, uh, Big Barda, Scott Free. This is Lord of the Rings level stuff. You can do Lord of the Rings like that level of scope and scale for 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 an expansive new gods uh, depiction. I mean, two different worlds. I mean, you've got New Genesis and Apocalypse and the rivalry. I mean, it's Game of Thrones. It's House of Dragon. I mean, it's comic book version of succession it's it it predates star wars extremely influential the fourth world was extremely influential on uh on george lucas i mean the the thing that powered them and and, and this this arrived in the early 70s 1970 71 72 the source the source was what everyone was after so kind of like the force right you didn't want to you know they, they were trying to keep the bad guys away from accessing and utilizing the source uh the greatest Costume designs in the history of Jack Kirby's illustrious uh, career. I, I believe that Galactus was very much an influence. You know, Kirby's helmets, these face masks, these face guards, it, they are all on display. It, visually, it is stunning. And it is, I believe, richer than what they have depicted with Asgard over in the MCU. And between New Genesis and Apocalypse and two competing, you know, Heads of each world, the high, you know, high father, and uh, and uh, dark side. I just I can't imagine something more sprawling. Orion, and uh, I mean, you got. I don't want to spoil it for you. I mean, two sons raised under adopted fathers, each belonging to the other. It's it's so complicated. It's so rich. It's so amazing. You give it the scope, the scale, the direction that it deserves. New gods will be. Uh, will be a huge impact on the culture i mean when you get into the black racer mark moonrider big you know uh uh big bear i mean yes all of these characters exist viking the black uh oh i'm telling you the new gods is rich it is rich 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 i think big barda and scott free alone would take everybody uh by storm but certainly orion and and all the rest it would just um i think elect just electrify you know audiences all over the world if if they were able to encounter uh the the new gods so th- those are my two uh dedicated dc entries when it comes to marvel like i said we're about to see adam warlock and the high evolutionary possibly the new men we're about to encounter kang that there's there's all these different characters that they've they've you know made very clear that they're bringing and then you've got sony and i mean all they need is one of those spider-man spin-off movies to work madam webb and and Craven the Hunter, and and if if just one of them works on par with Venom, there is an entire Spider-Man uh, universe. Puma is a classic. I love Puma. I have I, I lean naturally towards the cat characters, and Puma was a great character introduced in the '80s that battled uh, Sp- Spider-Man, threatened Peter Parker, 
Um, there's a villain called the Rose uh, in in the uh, in the Spider-Man books that could haunt uh, Peter and compete with, kind of set up what the Kingpin can't be anymore because the Kingpin is so much the domain of Daredevil. Uh, but these characters, I mean, we just got through. I mean, Kevin Feige opened the 1970s playbook. That's where you got Shang Chi. That's where you got you know uh, the Eternals, the entirety of the Eternals. That's where you got. Uh, the Black Widow characters with with the Red Guardian and, and and so many of the characters that you saw running through Black Widow, she was at her peak in the seventies. Uh, and so many of those, the Taskmaster, you know, the, the, these characters are a byproduct of the end of the seventies, early eighties, and you know, th- there's just so many opportunities that they can go so much deeper. If you get into the X universe, if you continue to expand that, there's so many different ways to go, and you know, you're gonna get. Uh, so many new characters coming your way over the next several years across all these different platforms. And yes, Legion had a Saturday morning cartoon show that was cool, very stylistic. Don't know why it didn't stick around because I personally dug it. But again, live action Legion, home run. Live action New Gods, home run. I would love to see the traditional defenders somehow come together with Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, with... uh Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, and um, this version of Namor, because they united to save the planet several times in the pages of uh, of the Marvel Universe. Yes, they predated and, and had hundreds of issues prior to this kind of Netflixy version of the Defenders, which really didn't reflect the Defenders that I grew up with on any level, no way, shape, or form. Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Daredevil, and uh, Jessica Jones were not the Defenders that I grew up with. In fact, they were bottled together, packaged together to reflect what was going on in the Netflix show. But give us the classic, the classic defenders. I know eventually we will get the Silver Surfer. I know eventually we'll get Doctor Doom. I know eventually we will get Galactus. I mean, there are big, big, big stories to tell. Big, giant stories. Again, over in the Sony universe, we may get live-action Spider-Gwen. We may get live-action Spider-Woman. These are cool. Again, we're in the 70s here. Uh, She-Hulk. So much of the stuff, Moon Knight, that you've been given in the last couple of years. Werewolf by Night. Again, this entire Phase 4 was... Was Kevin Feige, you know, really going deep into the 1970s handbook? And so uh, it's really interesting to see how it's all going to play out. There is so much more to come. DC, I feel, has such a deep, rich bench. I'm not even going to get into All-Star Squadron because DC's World War II representation and it's it such a great, uh, you know, world to explore. I mean... The first season of the Wonder Woman show that came out in 1975-1976 with Linda Carter all took place during the World War II era, and there were great Nazi villains and Nazi menaces. I mean, you had the Nazis take over Paradise Island. I mean, you had Wonder Girl, Deborah Winger, you know, uh, one of the most acclaimed actresses of our time, was introduced as Drusilla Wonder Girl. You had Wonder Girl and Wonder Woman, the the 19... uh, 40s were really well represented on that TV show. I thought they really pulled it off well, especially given the budgetary limitations of the show at the time. But you really don't pick it up, pick up on it because again, we see that Nazi, you know, representation. We see those swastikas. We immediately know these are bad guys. These are bad guys. Steven Spielberg himself said to my face, Rob, the great thing about, you know, Nazis is your bad guys is everyone hates them. Everyone hates a Nazi. Jack Kirby said, I just want to punch a Nazi. Nazis immediately invoke the worst possible evil. And so, with the All-Star Squadron, uh, 
that there is there is such an array of again villains you you've, you you haven't seen yet uh, from from the DCU. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna but if I had to push all my chips in, it would be on the New Gods. It would be on uh, Legion of Superheroes, and then interestingly enough, like I said, over at Marvel, hey, there was a an attempt to put together a champions team. I have no doubt that on screen, a champions team on par with the one that did not pick up and did not connect uh, when I was a kid, which, which starred Hercules, the Black Widow, Ghost Rider, and two X-Men in, in Angel and Iceman. I have no doubt that some iteration of the champions, it's a great moniker. They have, they have, um, they reclaimed it a couple of years ago. They reintroduced the champions. They made them younger. Uh, they had Nova, but I think everyone is Richard Ryder was Nova in the comics growing up in the 70s and and he took uh the imaginations of myself I know Jim Lee Doug Nova I know Eric Larson we all talked about as, as teenagers how much we loved the Richard Ryder uh Nova series and his Cree you know uh count you know it was kind of like Shazam he'd become Nova and he'd get the Nova armor on and have the Nova powers and he and he he was intended to be like the new teenage uh Peter Parker representation in the 70s and again, this is the same time they're giving us Spider-Woman, who we have yet to meet, you know, but they gave us Carol Danvers, who obviously, as Ms. Marvel, uh, who we, you know, dug the most, and she's obviously become a huge factor. But all these characters, going back to Namor, going back to Black, Black Adam, Black Adam, way unknown. Namor, much less unknown, but not untapped. So you've got unknown, untapped, and then honestly, once they are, unstoppable. I mean, I think the one thing that everybody likes coming out of this is Namor. I, I've read some discourse, but the one thing that, that really streamlines everybody's response to Wakanda forever is that they really, really dig Namor. So there is so much more to come. And, and uh, Marvel has given some great representation, obviously, to Shang-Chi, Iron Fist, uh, the Jessica Jones stuff, all the Netflix shows I thought were really rich. Elektra coming to life in the, paid, in, in the episodes of... of uh, the, the Netflix, you know, Daredevil show, it'll be interesting to see what they go and how they go further. It'll be interesting, it'll be interesting to see what X components uh, join Wolverine and Deadpool on screen in Deadpool 3. Again, the X-Men universe is so expansive. You could introduce the original X-Men and call them X-Factor. And if that cast is, is on point, it'll, it'll just blow, it'll blow people's minds. There is so much exploitation of the X-Brand that even Fox did not get to and again i can go back and forth and i think there's just as many great fox x-men films as there are misfires but i'm i'm uh i'm i'm very excited i I think adam warlock is like namor he is a he is a doorway to something new and we're not going to get to know him for for many months from now until he appears in guardians 3 but who's next is on deck there are many to come there are many yet to be decided on and again we, we 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 chewed over some. I'd love to know. You guys can tell me who you think. Who are you waiting for? Again, there's that Sony's got the Spider-Verse, and, and there is uh, all manner of options. Again, Puma, The Rose. There's some really cool characters that they have yet to tap uh, in regards to the, the greater Spider-Man universe. And again, with, with the Madam Web that they're coming, coming together with right now and filming, probably all, almost done filming, there's going to be, uh, it looks like a myriad of the female spider characters that are going to be introduced to the audiences and again like i said all they need is for one of them to click so who's got next you know we'll have to see it's uh something on my mind just like it's something on your mind and of course if you go to the independence of course i could sit and make an entire episode about 
my character's Prophet, Brigade, Bloodstrike, all the stuff that I've got out there. Todd's pushing Spawn forward as a film. You know, maybe the expansion of the Invincible Universe that I that I dig so much that Kirkman's given us. I mean, again, outside of Marvel in DC, it just explodes. I mean, the aforementioned several episodes back, American Flag. You've got Nexus, which has never really truly been addressed here. You've got ElfQuest, one of the greatest fantasy comic book uh, sagas that ever to ever be published. The the, the vision of of uh, of Wendy Peeney come to life in regards to uh, animation or live action would just would just absolutely smoke. Everyone would completely dig it. So look, <clears throat> so much to choose for, so much to look forward to. Enjoyed very much speculating about who's got next, and and you know we'll have to see. Our 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 uh, eyes are peeled every day. Who knows? Maybe that announcement is coming later today. You just you just never know. You just never know what's coming next, right? The uh, this show is such a pleasure uh, to do. I, I, I appreciate so much that you guys come along for the ride, that you listen. And I read your reviews of this show at the end of each and every episode. You guys are so generous. You're so kind. And I am always thrilled that you have taken time out to share your enthusiasm of this show with me. And and what I do is I read the kind words that you have uh, shared for me across all the different platforms. and. We share them at the end of every episode. When you say something nice, possibly it's just a way to connect with me directly. But if you leave them on the Apple platform, uh, all the different platforms that that you can leave reviews and ratings and five stars, I read them here. I'm going to read from a uh, a gentleman uh, that I know as Skywalker. Okay, Skywalker is from Boston. He says, Rob, I love the podcast. Why? I am the same age as you. I was grabbing all the comics that you made in the 90s. I enjoy the comics history you bring to, you bring beginning with your spinner rack days. I was not an extreme comics reader in the 70s, but I did get some comics here and there from the spinner racks and the drugstore stands. I was reading the John Byrne Marvel team-ups, not knowing he would be one of my absolute favorites years later. Anyways, I discovered your podcast during the pandemic, which is sidebar, that's where it was started, um, and listened to all of them while mowing the lawn. I can go on and on. Thank you so much. Skywalker, this is the kind of stuff that just gets me fired up to do another show and to keep sharing that passion and to keep uh, talking comics with you guys and and speculating like we did today. Thank you, Skywalker, for your kind, kind words. Thank you for reaching out and giving me that uh, that that review direct. Um, again, you leave a review for me. Uh, I will read it here on the show at the end of each and every episode. So thanks for participating. It helps us stand out when you leave them on the Apple platforms, when you write that review, give us those five stars. Uh, We appreciate it so much. We do not take you for granted. I don't take you for granted. It is a privilege to talk to you uh, twice a week. And and I'm so grateful that you guys are, are allowing me into your cars, your earbuds, wherever that you are. Maybe your comic store plays this. I'm, I'm just literally so appreciative and thank you so much. You guys, I'm all over social media. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld. Twitter's where I talk a lot and interact with you guys a lot. At Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. The blue check used to tell you it was really me. I think it still does tell you it was really it's really me. You'll know pretty quickly, but reach out to me on Twitter. I love talking to you guys, all the discussions, all the back and forth, the mentions. Um, it, it's super fun interacting with you guys, sharing pictures, ideas, thoughts, history, Robert Liefeld on Twitter. On Instagram, I'm at Rob Liefeld. I have a kind of crazy, you know, visual diary that Instagram is that I share with you guys what I'm drawing, what I'm doing, who I'm hanging with, family, shopping, whatever. 
check me out on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld, just R-O-B-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. You can find me there with the blue check. I think it still means something over there. <clears throat> I am on an app called What's Not. You should download it. You should get it. It's the killer, most most killer, most exciting, most successful new collectible app. People are on it all day all day long. People have stores. They set up their stores. They're selling you uh, apparel, sports cards, uh, trading cards, comic books, kicks, sneakers. Uh, you name it, they've got it. It's on whatnot. My name is Rob Liefeld on whatnot. I have shows twice weekly. Sometimes we're going to be accelerating a few of those for the holidays, getting, getting out to you guys more for the holiday season, but we sell signed comics. We, we share signed comics, signed pop, signed toys, uh, original artwork. I, there is nothing, uh, that, that, that is off limits on the whatnot show. Uh, we have a great audience that tunes in. I, it's a live stream. So I'm talking to you the entire time. Uh, many people think it's an extension of this podcast. I'd like to think it's kind of sort of, uh, a kissing cousin to, to, to the, uh, to the podcast. So check me out, get whatnot, download it, interact with us. Find me on Rob Liefeld. We generally do shows on Wednesdays, Saturdays, the weekends, Fridays, or Saturdays, we could change it up. So check us up. Check us out over there on Facebook. I am. I have a group called Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group. Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group. That is the group you're looking for. An administrator, either myself or a, a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, will click you through. That's way. That's why you know you're in the right place. We talk about all things that I've done over my career, the characters I've, I've interacted with, in addition to the characters I've created. So it's Avengers, it's Fantastic Four, it's Captain America, it's The Shield, it's Hawk and Dove, it's the Teen Titans. So check it out. Hang out with us. We have art contests, a lot deeper discussions, a lot more rousing shares. Uh, check it out. Visit us on Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group over on Facebook. We're getting tons of new members every day. Join us. We're having a really good time over there. You guys know I'm I'm thinking about you. I'm rooting for you. I want your emotional, spiritual, physical, and mental well-being to be at its peak at its absolute peak. And I think you do that by taking some days off, enjoying a good novel, a good graphic novel, a good comic book, a good streaming show, a good movie. Do it with great food. Go go gourmet or go cheapy, deepy, you know, uh, fat, fast food like I do, okay? Whatever, everything in between, milkshakes, cupcakes, you gotta, you know, um, it, it's a cheat day. Have that cheat day, have that pop culture cheat day and combine it with some great food. That's what I do. That's how I make it through this crazy thing called life. I am rooting for you. Do not miss the next time we hang out. Circle back. I'm going to be here. We most certainly, absolutely, positively, we'll talk again real soon. (laughs) 